afternoon, good morning, good evening, you and Spence here. It's all about Windows Phone's Insight Podcast. It's 2012, it's the dawn of a brand new year, it's the dawn of a brand new day for Windows Phone. And we have three of the biggest commentators on the internet to talk about Microsoft, the Windows Phone ecosystem, what's been happening over the festive period, what we have to look forward to throughout January and the rest of 2012. From allaboutwindowsphone.com, of course, you can listen to the Insight every week to get all the views and news uh, and man behind that site and keeping us all in a strict, strict routine of doing wonderful content. Rafe Blanford joins us for 2012. Hello, Rafe. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back for 2012. Any New Year's resolutions that you can tell us about? Uh, plenty of them, uh, mainly revolved around making things uh, better on all about Windows Phone. So aiming to have more content and more features, which will be unveiling in due course. And I guess the, the usual one about trying to live a healthier lifestyle. But um, so far, I've already managed to leave that one by the wayside. There's only four days into the new year and already the resolutions are dying. Let's see how they're handling themselves up in Hollis. We're also joined by David Gilson. Hello, Ewan, and Happy New Year, everybody. Resolutions from yourself, David? I don't make New Year's resolutions. I tend to make resolutions as and when they are needed. Ah, there we go. So nothing needed at the moment, then? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, and finally, in the triumvirate, uh, joining you all out there listening to the podcast, we have Steve Litchfield in the deepest, darkest depths of Reading. It is dark. It's pouring with rain and horrible. Yes, you're quite right. Yes, welcome to what passes for uh, weather in the United Kingdom in January. Steve, any resolutions from the smartphone world from yourself? Kind of. I was given the Steve Jobs 650-page biography by uh, Mr. Isaacson for Christmas, and my resolution is to finish it before the end of the year. Fair enough, then. There we go. In terms of my resolutions, it is going to be carrying on uh, Windows Phone, and it really is trying to make sure that, you know, look at the whole things. I mean, there's lots of handset manufacturers out there. Obviously, Nokia and HTC are figuring quite heavily. Samsung are out there as well. They haven't brought the second-gen handsets over to the UK and Europe as it stands. Uh, ZTE and Acer kicking around. We might have some new additions as well by the end of January. Uh, all that's to come. So basically, try and welcome everybody and be as equal as we can. Uh, but there's another resolution in there, and that is to bring you the best news and views of Windows Phone and what's up with it. So we're going to start off with that right now. Rafe, we thought it was going to be quiet between Christmas and New Year, but the big story we expected to break next week broke last week, didn't it? Yes, that's absolutely right. We thought it'd be a, a rather quiet period as always is over the, uh, you know, the Christmas and the New Year break. But indeed, uh, and the news was that the Windows Phone marketplace has now passed 50,000 published app and game submissions. Uh, that's a pretty impressive achievement. Obviously, it's one of those milestones where we talk about the numbers and everything that we've said before in terms of quality versus quantity and all of that still applies. Nonetheless, I do think this is a significant mark. But I think perhaps just as significant is the fact that the rate at which content is being added uh, is accelerating. So we're now up to about 265 items a day. Um, that's for the 50,000 mark. When we were writing about the 40,000 mark, for example, you know, that that was at around the 170, the 180 mark, depending on how you do your kind of moving averages. So that's a, a notable addition. I think the, sort of, the easy way to express this is that it took just over a year to get to 40,000 apps, but the next 10,000 apps were added in just 40 days. And uh, this all happened on December the 27th. So we're now it's talking about this just over a, a week later. And just looking at the numbers now, I'm just diving into our app tracker. 
and it now says that there are 53,152 items. So, you know, again, it's added another 3,000 items, you know, in, in less than a week. So that number looks like it's still accelerating. And if you go and look on the site, you'll find the usual breakdown in terms of the, the charts showing you what's being added, when it's being added, the breakdown across submissions. We also added some information about what the percentage of free and paid and paid with trial applications there were in each category. I think the final one to remark on, you know, people often talk about this uh, number and compare it to iPhone and Android, both of which are in the many hundreds of thousands now. I think Apple is well over 600,000 and Android, depending on how you measure it, is between 400 and 500,000. Uh, so I, I decided to look at how many months it had taken each respective app marketplace to get to 50,000 app submissions. Um, Apple was in the lead here with iOS. It took them just over 12 months. In all fairness, you might want to remark upon the fact that there was kind of an inbuilt base of device already there, because you'll recall that the App Store didn't actually launch until the second-gen iPhone, so there were some 4 million iPhones out there already, and I suspect that gave it a bit more momentum. Windows Phone comes next, that's about 14 months. Um, Android took 19 months, which I think is probably the notable one there. You know, people talk about Windows Phone being left behind, but I think it's still a case of uh, give it some extra time. It was one of the big themes over this Christmas period. People talking about uh, Windows Phone not making it. It's already failed, which I think uh, is very short-sighted in a very uh, short-term view. And just to add in the extra ones, that was uh, Simeon about 26 months, which is not very good, especially when you consider the number of devices that were out there in BlackBerry slightly more around the 27 or the 28th month mark. So in, in terms of that statistic of reaching the 50,000 app submissions, I think that uh, suggests to me that the Windows Phone marketplace is a very credible challenger to Apple's App Store and Google Marketplace, even if they're kind of the absolute number comparison obviously still has iOS and Android a long, long way ahead. Now, can I just interrupt? I know I'm being the voice of Bar Humbug here, and I know I've made this point before on previous podcasts, but I have to make the point again in, in direct response to that. The, the quality of an ecosystem and the, and the value and the, the way in which a, a, a platform is succeeding is not actually determined by the number of applications in the App Store. When you go onto the high street, you ask people, you know, what's your, what's your next phone going to be? They might say an iPhone. I'm fancying an HTC Android phone, or I'm fancying a nice you know, Nokia Lumia 800 or whatever. And the actual, whether that there, the App Store, they then click through to, has 10,000 apps, 20,000, 80,000, 150,000, 300,000, is completely and utterly irrelevant. This is purely a geek metric, or a journalist or an analyst metric. It makes no difference whatsoever in the real world. I'm not sure I entirely agree with that, just because I think apps are very important. But I would agree that using this as a direct measurement of comparison or a direct metric is unhelpful, simply because there are a lot more factors than that. As you're kind of suggesting there, um, you know, the quality matters versus the quantity. And, you know, you can't necessarily compare the numbers anyway because of various um, differences between the app stores with regard to trials and maybe fragmentation and all of that kind of thing however i do think apps are one of those things that you know drives the purchase of the phone and in terms of the numbers i think it's a lot of it's about perception and so windows phone is perceived not to have as many apps does that really matter if it came down to a rational measurement uh, possibly not. I think there are some apps that are missing that people would really like to have and might make the difference between buying and not buying the phone. Um, and I think it depends on what kind of consumer you're talking about. Some are app mad and some couldn't care less. Uh, I mean, if you're entirely focused on apps, you're probably going to end up with an 
iOS or Android device, but there are plenty of other sales going on. So clearly that's not the case. So I, I think I would put more importance uh, on apps than Steve does. Uh, but I would agree that using this as a metric, just as a, a pure metric, is a little bit misleading. Well, I think I have to agree with both of you there, even though you were having opposing points. Um, I agree that someone walking into a shop not familiar with a, a phone's app store is not going to have that as an influencing factor. They're going to think, well, what looks the nicest to use and, and, and what they enjoy using in the shop if they got a chance to um and that yes analysts are using this as a benchmark which doesn't quite relate to real life however there is something of a causal relationship because whereas everyone i mean we've said before that everyone only has a small number of core apps that they rely on all the time and that probably even a couple of thousand apps is going to be enough to choose from for, for an individual person but um everyone's ideal set of apps is different. And I think the amount of applications could, could be loosely correlated to the probability of you finding your ideal set, because there will be some people who aren't covered. Um, but I think it's going to be something of a skewed bell curve. And most people, I think most people will be happy with this selection on, on the Windows Phone Marketplace. I think we're all talking sense here, but I, I want to make a couple of, of, of points on this one. The first one is, We've talked previously about the 40,000, 45,000 mark, briefly the 50,000 mark. The 50,000 mark psychologically is a big number. There's very few mobile app stores that have actually broken this number. I think this is only the fourth. I'm not sure what the actual volume numbers are uh, on, on the BlackBerry stores. Uh, but the point is, if you go to somebody, this phone has 40,000 apps in a shop. And, you know... That's a, okay, this is where Steve's point comes in. It's a big number. It's that's far too many. I'll never be able to get them all of them. But if you then go, this has 50,000 apps. There's just something about 50 that says this is competent. This is a big number. You're more likely to find it. By having 50,000 applications, it's far easier to sell that than a phone that's got 45,000 applications. And and again, again, you know, when we're talking about the mass market, we all talk about, oh, yeah, you don't need all your applications. People aren't asking for applications. The problem is Windows Phone is in a dirty fight. The mobile smartphone space with, with Apple, with Android, with all of that is not a clean, you know, Queensbury rules fight in the marketplace. It is knife fighting to the depth wherever you can find advantage you get it and, and and that means the influencers online do have a larger modifier so if somebody comes up and again the amount of people that i've shown the phone to in tech circles who go does it have instagram that's it just one application that is a big thing to a lot of people uh, and again you know this is this is what makes smartphones very very interesting we can't deliver a black and white answer on this but headlines deliver black and white answers and generate page views and lots of people come in um, and, and that gets the big sites who like to be nice and controversial can do black and white and get people coming in. And that's a wonderful thing for the ecosystem because it gets people talking about it. It's also the fact that this news of 50,000, I mean, Rafe, you, you'll know the server logs, pretty much every major site picked this up. Everybody wrote about it and most of them went, this is a good thing. So when you boil it down, the statement Microsoft Windows Phone has 50,000 applications was a great piece of news from Microsoft. It bolstered the platform. It made more people go, ooh, I'll have a little look at that. And that's going to be followed up in the next couple of weeks as we're going to see later in the podcast. Would you not agree, Rafe? Yeah, no, that that's right. I mean, it was noticeable 
we got uh, looking at the server logging here. There are lots of incoming links from a lot of the big tech blogs, but also being picked up by uh, a sort of IT media in general. And for the most part, it was a, a fairly positive news story. You know, it was talking about that um, Windows Phone, the sales have been a bit disappointing and there aren't as many apps. But actually, look, it's really picking up and how it's accelerating in terms of the number of apps being submitted. And so this was a good news story. You know, 50,000 is a useful peg to to hang a, a kind of a stat off and sort of go, yes, you know, maybe it's going mainstream after all. And so it was actually sort of giving, I think, the Windows Phone ecosystem, the marketplace, a bit more time because suddenly people were sort of sitting up, taking a notice and going, okay, yeah, no, it's doing pretty well. Let's see where Microsoft get, go with it in 2012. Uh, I mean, personally, from a, a kind of psychological view, I think the 100,000 mark is probably the really important one. And after that, the sort of discussion about this will will start to go away a little bit. There'll always be the, you know, it's behind X, Y, or Z. And I mean, I, if you look at it, it's likely to stay that way for a long time to come simply because of the lead that iOS and Android have. But when you get to a certain number of applications, um, it will become, you know, less about who's got X hundred thousand. You may then start getting discussions about, individual applications and has marketplace y got application x but i think there's a, a good possibility that will apply in multiple directions now, will there be one platform that is kind of the preferred primary place to start things off you know if you'd asked people a year ago they'd have probably said ios but now you know android is coming in a lot more and you wonder how much that might change and it does look like uh, both Microsoft and Nokia are going to be making efforts to ensure there are exclusive applications on their platform. And in a sense, Apple do this as well as do uh, Google with Android. You know, they all have their own projects. The battle for third-party developers, you know, is the the cool, the zeitgeist application on a given platform. That's going to continue, and I suspect there'll be a switch to that kind of debate and a move away from absolute numbers um, towards the, the latter half of 2012. I think one thing to say is that if you want to get into Windows Phone and um, an application you need isn't on Windows 7, email the developers. Uh, I, I, I think that, and, and encourage other people you know to email developers because I think the, the more demand that they perceive, the, the more we'll start um, supporting the platform. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is entirely about kind of for, for the majority of developers, it's a, you know, what's good business. And so what can they make money from? And there are a few pieces that Microsoft still has to put in place. We mentioned these in kind of our, our wish list of things like, you know, in-app billing, more markets, you know, uh, SMS-based billing in the App Store. And all of that's kind of on the way, but I suspect there's a lot more to come. There was an interesting one that caught my interest. You know, Microsoft has set up a user voice kind of platform where you, developers can go and say, this is what we'd like to see. And one of the big requests was Cute uh, on Windows Phone. And this largely came from Nokia developers who are obviously moving over from Symbian and Mego saying, actually, Qt's a really elegant way of doing cross-platform. would love to see support for that on, on Windows Phone. And it's actually gone into the process where it's now being reviewed or at least considered by Microsoft. So I think it's not out of the realm of the possibility that we could see some interesting movements there. Uh, having, you know, got the basic platforms in, in place, you know, there will be subsequent releases of Windows Phone later this year and obviously beyond that. Uh, something like Qt, you know, it, from a technical point of view, it's perfectly durable. It's really whether Microsoft wants to do it from a, a policy point of view and it's tied up with managed and unmanaged code and that kind of thing and Microsoft preferring their own solutions. But uh, Microsoft have demonstrated with the Windows Phone platform, they're, you know, open to doing what might be considered non-Microsoft things, being very open to third-party services in the People Hub, for example. And so I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised to see that happen. I think there'll be a, a 
for me at least there'd be oh microsoft have done that well good job and there are reasons why you might not want to do it mainly around kind of the solidity of the messaging and having a a good developer experience we see the problem on other platforms if you try and do multiple things uh but you know coming back to david's point yes it's actually about you know can you make money from it and Obviously, a very large part of that is getting device sales up, and that's all about getting the right sort of devices onto the marketplace, marketing them in the right way, positioning them in the right way, you know, having the right partners. And I, I, honestly, I think there's a certain amount of luck to it. Um, there's a tendency to just look at a couple of marketplaces, Western Europe and the US, for example, and they, they can be quite insular. I think the US market, in particular, when it's looking at success or failure of a platform. But I do wonder whether Windows Phone has a potential, particularly with Nokia as the, the partner, to exploit a gap in Asia where Android and iOS might be a little bit weaker. And it'll be very interesting to see how that develops through 2012. I mean, it's noticeable that the Nokia 710, which we talked about in the last podcast, you know, was launched in the Asian markets first. And, you know, we've just seen the ZTE device, uh, Tanya, launch in India. So, you know, there's, this is kind of why we're kind of excited about 2012, because there's a lot of possibility. And, you know, in the kind of media storm over Christmas where someone was talking about uh, why is Windows Phone not succeeded, a lot of it was very much based on a US viewpoint and, you know, saying declaring it's all over is way, way too early now. You know, 2012 is going to be a really interesting year to look at. And at the end of this year, maybe we can start drawing some conclusions. But right now, there's so much to come. It's uh, very uncertain in my mind. And I also think it's uh, interesting to to look at uh, HP recently. Uh, there's been uh, some discussion over the festival years about what happened with the WebOS, and a, a lot of people going, "Look, we did our best. We we got it out the door, but we didn't have enough engineers. We didn't have a resor- enough resources, to basically, to stay in the game and keep going." They had enough to do for, for the poker players out there. HP had enough to do a big bind and a small bind, but not enough to go into that game of constantly raising things and uh, there's been a lot of buzz this week and last about the amount of marketing spend uh, that's being put up for um, operation rolling thunder from nokia uh, and various things from microsoft and rafe i want to come up to the question with you and i know we've talked about this before uh, on on the podcast but it's probably going to be interesting just to go over the site policy again we've not mentioned these numbers on the website have we uh, no, we haven't. I mean, partly because none of this has been confirmed. It's all uh, rumours from third-party sources. And what we do tend to do on the website is only report something as news when we're absolutely certain it's legitimate and that we can source it from uh, multiple places. It's, you know, a fairly standard journalistic way of doing things. Uh, it does mean we won't always post about the latest rumour, but you can be very sure when we do post news that we're pretty sure that that's absolutely the case. Um, occasionally, we will talk about discussions that have been going on or if there's been an interesting interview from someone like Stephen Elop or someone from Microsoft talking about a future feature or a future device. But, of course, in those interviews, it's very, very rare to have something you know, this is what's going to happen. We will be getting this at this date. Instead, it's sort of talking about trends and general things like that. And, uh, you know, the same applies to this marketing spend. There's been some rumours floating around about specific numbers, but all uh, Microsoft and Nokia have said is that in, in conjunction with their operator partners, they will be making a substantial marketing investment uh, in order to sort of push public awareness and that it's going to be on a scale we haven't seen before with Windows Phone. So there we go. But it's it's fair to say there is going to be a big marketing spend. Um, the uh, Nokia Lumia 710s just hit T-Mobile. CES is coming up and we're expecting uh, announcements of various devices then. Um, let, let's look to that, that 710, though. This is, I mean, 
David, I know you've been playing around with the HTC trophies and sort of mid-range ATCs. The, the Lumia 710 kind of ducks underneath these very slightly as well in, in terms of positioning. And it's it's an interesting first choice of device to go into the American market, but also it's also the first device in places like Armenia and Russia as well. The, the, the 710 is a, is a big foot soldier and it's going to play a big part in, in Nokia's plans, isn't it? It is. Although I'm slightly concerned about how well it will perform in America because, um, I mean, America likes everything shiny and supersized. I mean, the, the American market is just waiting with bated breath for a four inch version of the Lumia 800. So they're already not happy with the flagship device. Whereas the 710 is same, ostensibly the same sort of size as the Lumia 800. And it's all plastic. It look it looks very cheap, even though internally it's practically the same as the Lumia 800. So yeah, I think this is a very questionable choice. I think they've probably Nokia have had their hand force and have had to go with that one first. But I think it will do very well around the rest of the world because it it is going to be affordable and it looks affordable because of a plastic construction. So, yeah, I agree. It is going to be the foot soldier, but I think it is a very strange gambit with to have with the American market. Just a quick one, David. Obviously, we played with the 710 at length at Nokia World, and our reflections after handling these units that have been handed around hundreds, if not thousands, of other journalists and analysts and bloggers was that they're, they look rather cheap and tacky in comparison to the 800 and covered in fingerprints and yes the glossy lights and the reflections off the fingerprints it was a horrible ghastly experience but I suspect taking a brand new 17 out of the box that you can keep clean and pristine maybe even keep it in a case or with a, a screen protection on that sort of thing I think it's, it's not as cheap as we remember it I think we're doing it the, the device a disservice Yeah I, well, I think you're right Steve I've had a chance to see a, a 710 since then uh, and it came away much better. I mean, I think the problem is for the 710 is it inevitably gets compared to the 800 and the, there's no question that the design isn't, you know, the same level of quality. And yes, there's less memory and there's less camera. But um, David's right. Apart from that, the specifications are the same. And I think in that sense, it represents fantastic value for money. It's probably in terms of, you know, uh, money versus spec and functionality it's probably the best windows phone device you can can buy if we're looking at launch prices without getting into complications of second hand uh, so in some markets you know it will do really very well because you know they are more price sensitive the 800 is still going to be the one that all the geeks want to buy and the, the media you know the more tech aware uh, windows phone users are going to look to that device or the titan or whatever might come next from nokia and htc and samsung uh, but it's just as important to have these lower cost devices because they're the ones that shift it in real numbers i suspect in terms of the us launch it was you know which operator can we get this on on you know uh, uh, and nokia is criticized for not getting the launch out quickly enough and then criticized for launching the wrong handset i think for most people going into the shops once the ad campaign kicks off they won't actually know which device launch first, especially when there's going to be, I, I imagine, at least a gap of just a few months between something like the 710 launching on T-Mobile and then devices launching on AT&T and perhaps other US operators. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the sort of preview of CES in a minute. So I wouldn't get too hung up on this. I think the kind of obsession with which device launches first and why hasn't Nokia done a high-end one is something that's probably mainly um, in the media rather than in public consciousness it's not a not a big deal for me i think it's important that they get a whole portfolio of handsets out there in the next six months and 
you know, Nokia have said that's what they're going to do. Um, but you know, you, one handset always has to be first. And I think, uh, a lot of analysts and media kind of miss the 710's significance because, you know, it might not be a handset they're so interested in themselves, but you need the complete product mix if you're going to really sell in significant volumes. And the 710, as I say, basically it is the shell plus the camera and the memory. And other than that, it's, you know, very similar um, to the 810 and all its, you know, capabilities when you're talking about the speed at which it runs, the performance and all of that sort of thing. And so, you know, actually, I'd almost say it's more impressive than the 800 in some ways. Yeah, and j- just to, um, so, so I don't sound too, like, too much of a curmudgeon, I, I am really looking forward to testing out 710, and f- on paper, it looks like what I, it might be the one that I recommend to people to get as their first win- Windows phone. It's just, um, as I say, I, I think the American market has got different expectations, but I agree with you, Riv. It is a excellent value for money and i am really looking forward to trying it because i've i mean including the lumia 800 i've tried five windows phone devices so far and there isn't one that i can really make as my main device i'd love it to be the lumia 800 but the lumia 800 has a micro sim and there's no way i'm cutting my my sim card down so it's that's actually quite frustrating so i so i am kind of like looking ahead to the 710 with high hopes but as i say it's i think the americans will be expecting something a bit different well, I've got some bad news for David because I'm pretty sure the 710 is micro sim as well. I'll, I'll have to check on that. Oh. It did, did, did depend on the prototypes you were looking at, I suspect. Um, but e- even so, I mean, I think what we're saying still applies. Yes, it's a, a kind of mid-tier handset. And yes, in one sense, it's another black slab, but it's very solid. But it's just the sort of phone that you do need if you're going to have, you know, a full portfolio of devices. And I think that's sometimes missed, you know, in the rush to just consider the high-end shiny devices. There's also something very interesting from a, a time point of view. T-Mobile are getting this out next week, or this week, depending on when the podcast goes up, on the 11th of January. Slap bang in the middle of CES, when every single bit of tech and media reporting is looking at the Microsoft-Nokia partnership, is going to be seeing Windows Phone. They're going to, people are going to walk into a T-Mobile store in the USA and go, Windows Mobile, that's that thing I saw on CNN this morning. I'll have one of them. So even though it comes in as a strange period, and... I can only guess that T-Mobile have maybe got four to eight weeks of exclusivity on this handset before it reaches some of the other networks. I think T-Mobile have played this very smartly. They've got it as soon as they can, and they're getting as much of the advertising spend from the other companies put through them as well. Um, it's I actually prefer the styling of the 710. Um, if it would be done in a single anodized block with all the nice curves and made look like Bumblebee, then great for it. Um, but CES, let's, let's swing by that. And, and again, Rafe, lots of people have been talking about this online. We could probably make a good guess at what we're going to see. And to be honest, it's probably the same guess that we would have made three months ago. But th- this CES is, is not only big for Microsoft and Nokia, but it's probably going to be the last big CES for a while yes that's right i mean you're referring to the fact there that microsoft has said this is going to be their last ces and they're then going to sort of switch over to doing more of their own events um and i suspect from a mobile point of view they'll probably stay at mwc and maybe do things there and then have big us launch events that they invite all the press out to now you're talking to some of the companies that do these kind of things one of the things they've repeatedly said is they find it difficult to kind of get attention when there's so much else going on you know and obviously they have to share media space in a new cycle with someone else which is why they tend to prefer to do their own events 
only the biggest companies can get away with doing that, of course, because they're the ones that, if you like, uh, the media will pay attention to regardless. The smaller guys will probably be less happy to hear about the big guys leaving these events. Uh, very similar, actually, to what Apple did a few years back when they left behind the kind of the expo and that kind of thing. And actually, Nokia have also done something not dissimilar. You know, they've tended to hold their own events rather than announce things at big industry events. But yes, I mean, speculating about CES, I think now most people are aware of the fact that um, Microsoft and Nokia have both said that you know there will be a US launch of a Nokia Windows phone device. I think it probably doesn't stretch too much of the imagination to say it's probably going to be a variation on the Lumia 800, probably have exactly the same internal hardware. The questions are really going to be around you know, what are the deals on the networks, what's the pricing, um, I suspect it's probably going to have a bigger screen because that's something that the US market demands. And certainly, obviously, if you're talking about operators, the fact that LTE is being launched uh, by various operators and also, of course, Verizon um, being CDMA and LTE-based, there's questions there about how exactly all of that will work. Um, but rather than speculate too much, I think we can probably say there will be a news next week and that will come, uh, I imagine, around January the 7th. And there is uh, a keynote by Stephen Enoch, Nokia's CEO, and all will be revealed then. And keep an eye on the site and we'll uh, uncover all the details and have the inside scoop for you. So there we go. That's really sort of the major broad strokes that we've had over the festive period in terms of news. And we've had lots of reviews on the website as well. And I'm sure that we've all been playing around grabbing applications from the marketplace. So uh, as we go into the new year and an exciting time, because right after CES and we worked out what's going with that, we'll have MWC uh, going on as well, coming to you from Barcelona. Uh, it's time to swing in to the applications. Uh, it's the application of but. Is it the application of the week, application of the fortnight? I'm not quite sure, but it's what has caught our eye as we each recommend one thing uh, on our phones for you to go out and have a look. Steve, big Formula One fan that you are. <laughs> as you are indeed as well. As I am as well, yes. Uh, no surprise whatsoever when, when I said, oh, I'm doing a review of Red Bull Racing Challenge, and you said, I, I made some comment about it, and you said, oh, yes, I've tried that as well. It became patently obvious. You've also spent your pound fifty buying a copy, so that's uh, good to have a second opinion. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, uh, it, it's more, it's, let's see, is it more Marussia or McLaren? <laughs> I think it's somewhere in between. Uh, one of the uh, challenging teams, I would say. Now, listen. Um, so so it's a Tyrrell then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite that bad. Red Bull Racing Challenge is uh, basically a, a lot of the development was paid for by the Red Bull team. You know, there's promo videos, promo photos, etc. But the, the heart of it all is basically a Formula One racing simulation or racing game for Windows Phone. And that's what I'll judge it on. Now, when you play it at first, you know, you, the graphics aren't mind-blowing. You think, well, it, the car doesn't wiggle much. You can't see much of it. Um, the graphics aren't quite smooth. You can see the graphics in the distance being withdraw, uh, redrawn. The physics that the car doesn't feel quite right, and it's all rather a letdown. But then you finish a race, and um, you then tap on replay, and it's this wonderful TV-style multi-virtual camera um, system, which basically shows your race as if it would be viewed on TV. And it becomes patently obvious then that this isn't some put-together approximation of an F1 sim. This is actually a, a, a decent simulation with everything modelled, right down to trailers and trucks and pit lanes and texture map this, texture map that, trans fences you can see through, and, and cars modelled in exquisite detail are all seen by these the virtual TV cameras, shows you what's actually 
actually in the game model. Now, taking all of that, if the developers can keep on pushing up with updates and can actually make the game better, make it more challenging, make the physics seem more real, tweak a few things that don't quite work, if they can do that with all that modeling and all that data in there, I think they'll have a cracking, cracking game. I think it could well be in the top 10 Windows Phone games, but not quite yet. So I roll on the next few updates. And, of course, Tyrrell, of course, managed to win three world championships and eventually became, after lots of things, became Braun, who did win a championship. So you can come good uh, if you put lots of time in with your designers and developers. And let's not talk about what they did uh, when they became Mercedes. Uh, David, anything else with wheels from you? Uh, yes. Um, mine is a, somewhat a slower pace. Um, mine is Next Bus UK. Um, so it's not quite F1, I'm afraid. Um, this is one of the applications which i would file under um mundane but really life enhancing um because i don't drive i i tend to see cars as rolling money pits so i i will re- i rely on public transport and what next bus uk does it opens up a, a bing map and overlays um all the bus stops that are, that are close to you and all the, all the routes that are running and then you can search for your area and it will t- tell you what what routes are available in your area and it has great live tile integration because you can actually put a a, a specific bus route or even a, a particular bus stop that maybe something that, that the closest one to your house and you can add that as a live tile and it also has a database of about 1300 pdf bus maps from around the country so wherever you are you can use this as a really handy companion for, for getting on a bus and getting where you want to go and it's one pound 49 in the windows phone marketplace so there we go there. Rafe, what uh, are we going to do when we're stuck in all of these buses? Uh, well, I think you can play a game that I've been uh, playing with over the New Year period, and that's uh, Doodle. This is actually the game that won the Nokia World kind of hackathon, the developer competition they had. It's developed by a company called Mobile Documents, who have sort of branched out and decided to do this game. And they actually put this together at Nokia World and uh, quite an amazing achievement. It's since been polished up a bit in order to get it ready for a, a full kind of public release. So what the game does is it, it, for those that have played Pictionary, it's a bit like that, but on a mobile phone, you know, you challenge a couple of other players to, you know, you draw something on the phone, a doodle, they have to guess what it is. It's been set up very cleverly on the mobile device to you know make sure there's no cheating. You play it, um, obviously over the web with either either complete strangers and it can find opponents for you or you can add friends to a friend list as you expect with these games working it's sort of turn-based and so you do the drawing and then people go away and guess and obviously the game controls how much time they see the doodle before they can do guessing or all that kind of thing very very slickly implemented you know a lot of thought has obviously gone into making sure this plays well as a game and i've come away really quite impressed i think it's quite an addictive little game entirely suited to mobile because you can play for as little as a couple of minutes or obviously for a longer time and i was particularly impressed by the way typically with these online multiplayer games it's a bit of a nightmare trying to set up you know to challenge someone to a game or to get into an online game but this has been done very slickly there's a bit of facebook integration so it'll automatically pick up your friends but it'll also you know put together random strangers and they can play a game uh and you can be up and running in sort of around 30 seconds or so. So really very impressive. It's available uh, for free in that it's fully functional, but as supported, if you so choose, you can actually pay for the premium version, which I think is £2.50, and that gets rid of the ads. But it's perfectly playable in its uh, 
ad version you know there's no loss of functionality it's really just ad supported versus no ads so thoroughly and very highly recommended for me um of all the games i've seen recently this is the one i'm i'm enjoying the most the one that's been doing it for me over the last two weeks really has been metro and not the UI, the uh, popular UK free newspaper, um, so owned by Associated Newspapers, who also do such titles as the Daily Mail, but we'll let them away with that for this one. Uh, Metro allows, basically, lets you read the newspaper, but what I've really enjoyed is the fact that it allows you to download the entire newspaper at the touch of the button, so that you can read it offline when you're stuck in a tube, when you're flying in an aircraft. It really reminds me of Avant Go, which used to have on the Palm PDA, if, if it's basically a great big uh, web snatching offline reader for news and current affairs and there, there's pictures in there there's galleries there's the stories yes it is quite light light and fluffy and celebrity based uh but you know that comes from metro being that newspaper that you just read on the tube for 10 15 minutes every morning this is this is a nice move from away from the printed medium into a new medium of, of the smartphone and they've done a very good job in the coding on that application as well all of those applications, games, uh, and links can be found back on the website, allaboutwindowsphone.com, as well as our reviews, features, and news, and our flow, which brings you the best of the web, discussing uh, Windows Phone from all three corners of the globe, even though it technically doesn't have any corners, uh, to the website, uh, which we'll be doing that every day. Uh, do swing by, leave your comments in the podcast, uh, and anything else. It remains for me to say uh, thank you uh, to my co-hosts here on the show, Ray Blanford. Thank you, Ian, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you to David Gilson. Thank you, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you to Steve Litchfield, who has a big smile on his face and a marker pen. <laughs> I've been playing, uh, there we go then, bingo, and I've now got a full card, but in your defence, you and I do know you've got World War Three going on outside your office door today, so I'll just, just say goodbye for now. It's not World War Three. it's the schools haven't gone back yet here in Scotland. Same uh, thing, there we, <laughs> but there we go, I've just doubled up the card as well. So thank you all for listening, uh, all about Windows Phone, more words and text written throughout the rest of the week. We'll be back uh, next week with more words uh, being recorded down MP3 for the podcast. Thank you all for listening, enjoy your 2012, and do stick with us, because I think it's going to be a wonderful roller coaster ride in the mobile world. <laughs>